Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Really, I'm Fine. I'm Michael and just before we start, this episode is all about positivity and it's broken up into three parts. Firstly, we talk about staying positive during the lockdown, whether you're alone or sharing with family or friends. We'll then discuss staying body positive during the lockdown with discussions on diet culture, eating disorders and living with anorexia, which may be triggering for some listeners. Specifically for this week's episode, we've teamed up with BEAT, the UK's eating disorder charity, which has an online support group called The Sanctuary, which is open every day and is a safe space to share concerns and struggles relating to the lockdown and the pandemic. For support, you're best to head to their website where they've set up a dedicated coronavirus help page. You can find out more at beateatingdisorders.org.uk forward slash coronavirus. That's beat eatingdisorders.org.uk forward slash coronavirus. Now sit back and enjoy the next hour of staying positive during the lockdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Really, I'm Fine. I'm Michael and I hope you're all staying safe and well. Now I'm really, really, really (laughs) excited today because I'm joined by two incredible human beings to talk all about staying body positive during the lockdown. Now, our first guest that we have today is someone who I consider to be one of my closest friends. We were just chatting. We said we've known we've known each other since we were about 15, 16 or whenever it was. And that, that's my friend Alice Dunbar. She is an ex-dieting blogger that's turned into a body positive food campaigner. So hello, Alice. Hello. I'm literally like shitting my pants. Am I allowed to swear, by the way? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Fine. Cool. I was just saying that I've done like five nervous poos this morning. Uh, so that's my situation, but I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. That's fine. And we also have the absolute privilege and a half to have someone today who I've personally looked up to alongside Alice for some time and is just one incredible human being who not only has incredible hair and is someone um, who I've wanted to get onto podcast for a long time. It is only the best-selling author and body positive um, Megatron that is Megan Crab, aka Body Posy Panda. That's a that's like a tongue twister and a half, isn't it? Kind of it, isn't it? Hi, thanks for having me. So we always start our podcast by asking our guests, "Are you really fine?" So um, Megan, I'll start with you. Are you really fine today? I would say today I am probably at maybe a six out of ten, which is pretty solid. I haven't yeah. been fine. I'm not gonna lie. I think most people haven't been particularly fine at the moment and I've had some ups and downs I had quite a down last week um but I'm slowly coming back up trying to see the little beautiful things that still exist to be grateful for doing some creative stuff so I would say yeah you know what I'm gonna claim it I am I am actually fine today that's good and um, Alice are you really fine as well um that's a difficult one for me 
So I have had, a, a, this morning I have not been fine like at all. I don't know, like obviously listeners won't know, but my uh, my partner has struggles really badly with mental health issues and she has had a really, really bad morning this morning. So I spent most of this morning kind of trying to sort that out. And I've had a few like things with my like day job that have like been announced that are a bit rubbish. But I feel like I've kind of come past that and now I'm here. And so I'm probably at like a four but um, I feel very positive that the day is going to, you know, it's going to get better throughout the day and then I'm going to be absolutely fine by the end of it. But right now I'm like, I'm, I'm nearly there. No, that's good. I think the idea is, is that our podcasts at the minute, we're doing a series which is um, called Mental Health Against Coronavirus. You know, we're, we're just sort of talking about different themes that we've been through lockdown. So we've spoken to like doctors on the front line, charities dealing with, you know, influxes and different things like this. You know, I know for some people it is incredibly hard to stay positive. I mean, Megan, like just to start with you, like how do you think, how important do you think it is to have like a good support network around you at this time? You know what I think we all need right now are, are people who can be the emotional support network and go to when you're feeling overwhelmed. And we also need the people who can bring absolute ridiculousness and and joy and almost just pretend that nothing is happening at times um, so that we get both things. I'm very lucky in that I, so I'm a primary caregiver for my sister. So I have time with her and I also have an absolutely ridiculous roommate who will do things with me like put on a fake prom in our bathroom. Um, so I get the silliness as well. I loved that. <laughs> That's lovely. I think that's, I think I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that like the other thing that it's really important to have, cause I, I'm personally isolating just me and my partner who, as I mentioned before, she has quite like severe mental health problems. Um, I don't want to say problems, but you know, she suffers from mental health issues um, and they're very, very up and down. Um, and when she's having a bad time, it, then I am her primary carer, like essentially, um, like that's a technical term. Um, so we've had, it's been really important for me to have like other friends who I've been able to get in contact with. Um, and it's been important for me, for them to be there when I need them, but also realize that like, just cause I'm not contacting them or just cause I, I don't want to join that zoom call or, you know, that kind of thing. Or just cause I've posted on Instagram, but I haven't replied to their message it doesn't mean that I'm like in a really bad place or that I'm like a bad friend. Um, I need those people to just let me be and they are doing that, which is great. So I feel very supported by all the right people at the moment. And I suppose like a really hard thing is like trying to, you know, like if you're having that situation where you're having to to be in a place of responsibility, like not just being like a caregiver, but like being like, you know, there's so many people that we spoke to, like her parents as well and having to keep their kids entertained and this sort of thing. It, it can be like so hard, I guess. It adds like a whole extra level to everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I saw a really good thing, which is essentially, you know, all of these jobs that are traditionally kind of belittled and often undermined as, as not real work we will never again say that after this and that is one positive at least absolutely not I'm so intrigued just to see what happens afterwards because I'm like surely we can't go back to like these like CEOs in business suits being seen as like the elite like like I just I feel like I'm really intrigued to see just generally actually but I'm really intrigued to see like the social shift and like like the way of thinking that and just how all how this all 
kind of changes the way that we view the world and the people around us, hopefully in a positive light, a positive way. I'm, tr- I'm trying really hard. One of my coping mechanisms, I'm sure this is like the same for everybody, is to try and like take positive things wherever you can find them, like find them and keep them and hold on to them and remember them when you're having a really bad time. And like Megan, you say, I know you're saying about your sister and your caregiver to your sister. And I've seen, just because I like stalk your Instagram like every five seconds, that is, <laughs> the, you know, you, you've set up like a, a, a bit on your, uh, on your Instagram, like with your sister, it's Gemma, is your sister's Gemma, is, is that right? Yeah. And Queen Gemma. <laughs> Queen Gemma. <laughs> and like you've been trying to keep her entertained in lots of different ways. And as you know, has that been really, in, in a way, has that made you feel a little bit more positive about what's going on because you're seeing her being happy and positive and actually that can radiate off can't oh my it? god absolutely her joy is contagious and I think what this has kind of given us more time to do is be kids again we're doing all the same ridiculous shit that you would do with a sibling when you're a child like put on lip syncing concerts or pretend to be running relay races when we go out for our walk or you know just absurd things and it is allowing me to to be a big kid with her and it's definitely making us closer um also gives me content so I don't have to be worrying about what I'm going to put on the internet and she loves it she absolutely loves um that she's more popular (laughs) on my Instagram than I am that's her favorite thing in the entire world (laughs) <laughs> so it's a it's a win win all round, yeah. And and like also that we you know we've, we're talking about people who have got these support networks. Like, what would maybe your advice be to? I hate saying advice on the show, but like you know, like if if you're isolating alone and like I'm just I'm literally sitting thinking if it actually gives me like really bad anxiety to think about like if I was in my flat in Liverpool where I live like if I was there like it'd just be absolutely hell like do you have like friends that are like that as well I mean I I should I go first I I, I've got like quite a few people at my work and stuff who are isolating alone um and I personally don't know how I would handle it and I really my heart goes out to those people um I guess it depends on the kind of person you are like for some people it's probably bloody great and they're loving it um, whereas for others, you know, if you're quite an extroverted person and you're used to sort of um, like spending a lot of energy around other people and you feed off that, that could be really difficult. Um, I like I'm somewhere in between, as I'm sure most people are. Um, and one thing that I've done because so like I said, me and my partner have been um, isolating together, but we're quite different in what we need. Um, I'm someone who needs a bit more like stimulation and stuff, whereas she like needs a bit more sort of time alone so I've had to like take myself away and be like I'll be in the bedroom for a bit and do my own thing and leave her and so I've had a little bit of that obviously not quite the same but what I've done is I've just written like this huge list of just activities anything like read a chapter of a book obviously that's a really cliche one but whatever like uh like do one colour of my little cross stitch I've got going on and fix like the table leg on my table that's broken, Uh, like sort the bills out, like uh, whatever, like clean something, just a huge, huge list, paint my nails, do my hair, learn, learn a new hairstyle, like just a huge list of like loads and loads of different things, a huge variety so that like if you ever do find yourself just being like, I don't know what to do, to do with myself right now and I that it's all too much for my brain, then something on that list hopefully will, you know, will work for you and it'll get like inspire you just to to kind of keep going. 
Um, so I'd say that if you are self-isolating completely on your own, then that would be even more important. Yeah, that's 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 really good. Um, like having a sense of direction and achievement and accomplishment. I've been doing that too, except I've changed the names of um, my to-do list. They no longer say to do at the top. They say try to. Um, so there's like no pressure if I if I don't get around to it. Um, I I would say for my friends who are completely self-isolating, obviously there's no like magic, wonderful advice that makes you feel less alone. It's really fucking hard to be alone at this time. They have been doing a very good job of being completely honest with me and kind of letting out when it feels really hard and when they feel lonely. And, you know, I've had messages saying I'm really, really struggling today, but I also don't really have the emotional energy to, to chat. So, you know, I don't need anything from you. I just wanted to let it out. So I think let it out. And another thing I've been seeing a little bit of is, is people learning techniques to self, self, that's a really hard thing to say, self-soothe. Um, so, so kind of um, tricking your brain into thinking that it's getting physical contact from another person. So there are specific areas on your body that you can kind of um, stroke or touch, touching your head and your heart and things like that, that give you a little bit of physical comfort. Um, in the same way that you might when you're around someone so that's maybe a good shout as well that's really interesting I love that yeah it's, it sounds like I remember we did we did an interview with Izzy Judd I remember when she was talking about all that and actually she did them and when we and I, I've never sort of got into that sort of mindfulness side of things but when she came and actually took them through us and actually when we did the podcast she, she touched and she was like you know um I think it's like calm begins with me and like just little things like that it does just sort of rebalance it's like you grounds bit. you doesn't it yeah, yeah. Um, and what Megan what you were saying about like um about people being really open about how they feel that is one thing that I've noticed through this entire thing is like people who normally I like I don't know normally they'd ask me how I was and I'd be like yeah I'm all right I'm, oh no I'm fine uh no really I'm fine <laughs> like I, no really I'm fine no really I'm fine uh they I like we've ended up having a really frank honest conversation and it's been so much more open like and there's been people who have said to me like thank you for telling me how you actually feel because that's how I'm feeling too so I think there's like another positive if you know whatever we can take like I said from this whole thing um is that I think that it's teaching everybody to be really in touch with their emotions and just honest and say when you're having a bad day and like because everyone else everyone is going through the same thing so that's a really like lovely part of it's kind of uniting everyone and and that's that's been a real comfort to me and I know to other people um who I've been um I've been in contact with as well and I suppose it's about it's about I suppose it's about the way that where where you send that you know feelings and things like that you know like I know Gemma who's our the co-host for for the for the show she said that you know she can find a really safe space in talking about these feelings and things like that through social media and I just can't do that I just can't do that but I suppose that's the point isn't it that actually if you can find someone or you know like someone that you can sort of have as a latching on point you know then you know then there is there is probably someone out there and like and and actually being brave enough to do that it's it's about time to do it to do it now to be like look I am struggling and actually you probably find that that they're struggling too yeah yeah and turn like and also turning off group chats if you want to like (laughs) oh my god literally like I I don't 
I don't normally struggle too much with that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm quite, you know, like I said, like fine with like lots of human contact, blah, blah, blah. Um, my uh, my partner, my girlfriend, like she she struggles a lot more and she is it has been just so much for her all of a sudden just having family group chats, like group chats from work, group chats from home, group chats and just everything constantly. And even I've been struggling with that. So I'm like, oh my God, if I'm struggling, then I do not know how you are dealing with this. So just, uh, like I would say, just fit, turn off. Like you can even like leave a message and just say, listen, I'm not actually like feeling that great about group chats at the moment. And they're all a bit much for me. I'm going to leave this one, not in a bad way, but if you want me, contact me separately. And I'm more than happy to talk. Like that kind of thing, I think is really, like that's really important. Self-care. Yes, the boundaries very important yep all those boundaries set them (laughs) (laughs) one thing that i'm sure people will be asking because i'm definitely asking that if you are isolating with like other family members or people you know who essentially are your family i know it can be quite a taxing time like i mean (laughs) i love my mum and like you know like absolutely like great but like you come home and it's just like these little nags about all these different (laughs) things but not and also some of the nags is just you realize that I think as well, like it's it, I what I've sort of realised when I was thinking about being home is that actually as well, like there are a lot of people where they're either condensing families together. I know that people are moving in with one another and things like this to stay supportive, and mm-hmm. that can be different. That can be hard. I think on two sides. Like I think you have one side where you have you know you're coming in and you're having to adapt to their st- lifestyle, but they're also having to adapt to you coming into their normal life. I know they have like a routine where it's like. It's like they watch that the the ITV local news at, at like quarter to six. Then they watch the BBC local news <laughs> at like quarter to seven. And then it's like on to Emmerdale, on to like the, and I'm like, and I go and like, how? You're like, I, whoa, 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 this is not my life. <laughs> it's not yet. And, but like, I don't know, Megan, like, I don't know if like, you know, like, do you, I don't know with like, you obviously you, you do, you, do you, do you live with your sister? Sorry, is that right? Or is you, or do you live nearby? So I live with my roommate. My sister has her own house, which is about five minutes away. And we usually have a cycle of carers. I'm one of them, but we've narrowed down to two carers during this time. And we're doing week long shifts. So I spend a week at my sister's and then I spend a week at my house and to rotate. So I guess for, for her, there's, there's it's like similar routine than what, than what she's probably used to. But the harder thing is, is adapting to adapting to what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean... To be to be completely honest, with the extra emotional energy that it takes just to listen to the news every day, like keep your head above water, not catastrophize and fall into anxiety mm-hmm. spirals. Being a primary caregiver on top of that, Alice, I'm sure you relate. The amount of energy it takes is unlike anything I've had before. And I've I've been a carer for my sister for seven or eight years, a, a long time. And this is the first time that I would say it has felt like a really, really, really full-time thing. Um, obviously, care work is work, has always been work, will always be. It's a, it's a job. Um, but for me, I've always kind of been able to keep up other things on the side. Like all of Body Posi Panda has always been on the side of being a caregiver for my sister. And right now, it feels like there just isn't their energy for anything else. So in the weeks that I'm not here... I've kind of just been giving myself permission to respect that and collapse. I I get in from a week at my sister's, get my bags out of my car, and I usually just lie on the floor, just lie on the floor and like decompress, 
for a little bit yeah um and and that's become part of my new routine um and and yeah the rest isn't very routine at all it is it is getting up every day and seeing what feels achievable if that's nothing but playing the sims it's playing the sims <laughs> yeah i i have i have adapted going back to the sims as well like so like what i meant is like <laughs> how many expansion packs do you have and it's like i've saved them up over the years like, <laughs> <laughs> oh we need to have a conversation then because i've got every single one <laughs> Just to like, I, I don't know if you have any examples of like some of the activities that you're adapting to doing, Megan, like to try and, th- I think this is a big thing. We, I think it, it, this, the stuff that can relate to everyone about trying to think outside the box of if with how to keep family members and, you know, ourselves entertained during this time. I don't know if there's like anything that you've been doing that's that like, like actual physical activities that have been really helping. Hmm, that's... That's a good question. I mean, I've been having plenty of dance parties, if that counts for anything, by myself and with my sister. Um, been having plenty of time doing nothing and sitting on the sofa. Nice. It's just taking it day by day. I mean, my sister literally decided yesterday that she didn't really want to go out for a walk, but she was going to go up and down the stairs while listening to the Spice Girls. And that turned into her kind of daily activity. Um, and I was just kind of in the other room listening to her go, one, two (laughs) just for like 15 minutes so yeah we are all we are all doing very odd things that we wouldn't necessarily ever do but I think that's okay what about you two do you have anything that you've started doing um I mean I so like like I said me and my partner have been um we we actually moved into a new flat in January end of January which Michael was supposed to come and visit and then it got cancelled I was going to come and visit the week of the lockdown and then we were sitting going should we still come should we and it was like no we don't and I was like no um but anyway so we we moved in here and um like what what the way that we've done it is basically be like right well all those little jobs like little decorating jobs like things like that jobs doing the garden blah 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 like well we'll just do them now then so brilliant like and and it's been it's been quite a nice way actually for us to like connect and to learn more about each other and even though obviously we already know know loads but like obviously we've never lived together in this capacity like we I I generally tend to be someone who's out quite a lot like I work uh, I don't work at home like I work in an office then I go out quite a lot of the weekends whereas Ruth like tends to stay here um, so she's had to adapt to me just being here all the time all the time like hey um, so we've basically um like I said we've made these lists and we've got our own lists they are separate um, and we've just been like uh doing yeah doing things like uh things in the garden things around the house we just got a new kitten before um everything happened uh called cashew she's beautiful also a massive handful keeps chitting in the plant pots but we love her and so looking after her has been really lovely um I think we've just had to like find things that like maybe previously we just would be like we don't have time for that or we'll do that another day we've been like no like we'll do it let's do it let's you know be proactive but I think one problem one problem that we both have is knowing when to stop with that so it's like we're just like keep going keep going no come on we'll do this we'll do this and then um it's not until like the evening normally when we would I would normally come home from work which is something that I really miss I really miss coming home from work and us, us then having an evening together um and we especially um Ruth she struggles like with like that weird kind of in-betweeny time when it's not morning so you haven't just got up and you're just doing cleaning and bits and pieces 
but it's not time to like sit down and watch telly yet. So it's like, you have to fill that space with so much, like so much stuff. And like, and it's like, where's your routine? That's the thing is the routine. And it's, it, it affects like everything from like, just like your, what you, well, like the normal activities that you would do, but also like food I find is massively affected by routine. Um, and both of us um, have like a uh, peppered history with uh, our eating. And that's been something that we've been ha really having to try and um, like keep to a schedule and a routine for. Um, I don't know if you've been the same, Megan. Not particularly. I think this is definitely an interesting time, as you said, for anyone who has had any kind of history with disordered eating um, in terms of the added stress and anxiety, in terms of what you can even get at the supermarket, the kind of what time do we eat and yeah it's it's a lot I have been still you know trying to my best to eat intuitively which is what I have believed in for a long time what I try to practice listening to my body respecting my hunger and fullness signals and all of that but even that has to adapt because intuitive eating kind of relies on you listen to your body you decide what you want but if the supermarket has if you don't have that, it yeah exactly yeah, and and you're only going out once a week to get your essentials you know it's there's a lot more all right, well, let's just let's just eat what we have and what needs to be eaten. So in a way, it's it's a different ballgame. I think another thing that I've found as well is that like normally, um, like routine wise, I like I go to work, I have my breakfast at work at about 10 o'clock, then I'll have my lunch, um, which I will have pre-prepared and taken with me. So I know what I've got and I'm happy with it. Then I'll come home and I'll have my dinner. Whereas like now, because I do exactly the same, I really try and practice in intuitive eating. I'm a bit more new to it, but I'm really, really trying and I feel like I'm getting somewhere, which is great. Um, but what I find is that because I'm kind of trying to keep myself so busy, my I don't feel that hunger. Like I, I, I forget. So and then I feel guilty because I've forgotten and I'm like, I know that I probably should have been hungry then. And then I and then so it's it's much harder, I find, to practice intuitive eating when you're out of kilter with your normal routine. And um, that's what I've found anyway. But um, I'm sort of slowly trying to, like, put a new routine in place and change that. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the thing that is extra helpful in this time is that any any good intuitive eating program or like thing that teaches you how to eat intuitively recognizes room for imperfection and not always getting it right and not always perfectly listening or eating exactly the right time. Like I'm not gonna lie, I have been eating dinner some nights at eleven because I want to kind of get everything done and and then get my sister ready for bed and in bed and then I can kind of unwind and have my dinner and that's that's what it's gone to and if I was actually listening to my body I probably would have had dinner at eight um but that that's okay because I don't think you don't have to get it right every single time we're not all perfect the, are we so exactly we're we're not perfect our relationship with food is sure as hell not perfect um and as long as you're kind of viewing every meal as a learning experience I guess just like a chance to be a bit more in tune with yourself and your body then that's great So this really nicely segues me into sort of like the second part of our conversation. Obviously, I want to talk about staying positive during the lockdown, but there's also this big thing about staying body positive during the lockdown. I, I think something which has really gotten to me since we started the lockdown is that people are 
really, really thinking about a lot more and under much more of a a microscope, the way that we look and the way that, and I think what's really getting to me is the way that we're going to look, that people are perceiving that we're going to be after we've come out of lockdown. What people are doing with, you know, staying healthy and fit, that's absolutely great and fine. But like, I feel like I just, I'm getting it shoved down my neck and like, it really came to a head for me when there was the program on BBC Two, Uh, which was the, I can't remember, I think the proper name for it was the restaurant, what was it called? It's something about, basically they went to the restaurant and they were counting, they said, here's your cheeseburger or here's your fish and chips or whatever. And your fish and chips equates to 780 calories, which will take you da 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 amount of time for, for, and I mean, I, I watched a bit of it because, you know, as a journalist and being fair and impartial, they, they did talk about like the science of it and, and talking about actually there was that side of like, okay, it wasn't just about those flashy headlines, but all of that bits about all of that sciencey stuff got really, really lost in this sort of flashline thing of you must associate your eating your food while, well, it wasn't intended like this, but I feel like now we're in lockdown and in this really weird situation, we're thinking about what we're eating so much more. And and it's just such a negative way of doing it. So like, basically, Megan, I don't know, I'll start with you. And like, I think what I've seen you say is that it doesn't matter. You you shouldn't, we should allow our bodies to say, actually, it doesn't matter. But actually making our head do that is another thing, isn't it? Sorry, I'll stop yeah. talking now. <laughs> No, no, yeah. Everything you said is is spot on. Um, I I am not a journalist, therefore I do not have to be impartial. So I'm gonna just speak with my chest here. Um, choosing to air a program that reinforces the ridiculous amount of neurosis that so many people currently have around food and around their bodies is absolutely fucking disgraceful. Uh, I think that was a deeply, deeply insensitive time to have done that. It's not great at any time, you know, teaching people to equate every single thing they eat with the amount of exercise that it would take to quote unquote burn the calories. First of all, it's scientifically inaccurate for multiple reasons because everyone burns calories at a different rate depending on their body and their metabolic rate. And second of all, even if you are completely sedentary, you still need calories to function. Your body needs calories to do its job as a body. Especially when you're this anxious, like, you know, I find that when I'm like anxious and stressed about stuff, like I need to eat like so much more food. So like, yeah, absolutely. And all of us are going to be having different reactions in terms of how we are using food in this situation. Some of us are going to be using food to comfort eat. Some of us are going to be eating less. Our bodies are probably all going to be changing because our routines have been completely flipped on their head. And you know what? If, if you come out of this and your body is a bit different, you done bloody well. Like It's that. a global <laughs> pandemic. Like, come on. We're like, <laughs> give yourself some credit and whatever your coping mechanism happens to be, like, like, let yourself just, just be. I, I, like, that's what I found mental that people are, and it's not their fault at all. It is the diet culture in which we live that teaches us that thinness is like the one and only thing that you can be to be beautiful or whatever the fuck it does, whatever. But like, yeah, like that, like, and, I, and for me personally, I've found that, like, weirdly enough, this whole situation has helped my body positive image. Like, I've felt that I've been able to post like um, pictures of myself on my Instagram that I don't think I would have done before. Like, whether I've just had ages to like sit around and take loads of photos of myself, maybe it's that. But I think a lot of it has been like, fuck this, like, 
let's realize what's important. Let's tell everybody, you know, that it's it's okay to look however you look. Um, and it doesn't matter if your body grows, shrinks, like whatever, what matters is that you're eating what you like, what you need and what your body needs and that you're listening to yourself. Um, and it, I keep getting really riled about it. So I'm sorry. I'm going to try and like, re- like reel it in. No, don't reel it in. Let it out. Let that anger out. I was totally fucking live. I was livid, livid when I saw about that. I, d- I didn't watch it. I don't know if you did. I didn't. I didn't watch the program. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that either because I just think like that you need to. That needs to be the last thing on your mind at the moment. You know, like there's so much going on. So much more important. It's like it's survival instinct at the moment. Surely, like rather than. Like, and and the other thing that I've seen um, and like people keep telling me about because I talk quite a lot about the fact that I used to I used to do Slimming World basically that was my diet of choice. Uh, ah, same babe, same. Yep, yeah, whoop whoop. And then I read your book, and then I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> um, and then slowly but surely, I was like, "Oh my god, this is what 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 is going on?" Anyway, and then I stopped. And I don't go to Slim World anymore. I'm completely against it. I fucking hate the company. Um, however. Um, I've got like a few followers um, who who do still go because my following started like when I used to to, to blog about my my like uh, my slimming world my slimming world journey. Oh, fucking hate it. Um, but that's what I used to blog about. Um, and a lot of my followers um, are still from those days. And like lots of those people have started their own body confidence journey and have kind of started to be like, oh, is this right? Like, etc but they still attend the club or whatever diet club it is. And I know that like some, like the leaders of these diet clubs have been like, oh, rather than like stopping going completely, uh, join online and do it from home and weigh yourself this, you know, and, and I'm like, sorry, I'm sorry. Like, this is absolutely not the time to be joining bloody Slim World online and like, pr- like bulk buying, panic buying hi-fi bars. As I, I was like, I, 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 whatever. And I wrote a post about it, like on my Instagram, I think, and just said that like, maybe instead of that, you know, uh, maybe you just spend this time re- realizing what's important and looking after yourself and thinking about like self-care um, and what your body needs and what it like, and looking at, at food as either you know a source of comfort if that's what you need or just a source of fuel or you know just like maybe this is a really good opportunity for you to have a bit of a rethink about what's important basically and fuck diet clubs my uh, yeah <laughs> the anger I mean, is real I, <laughs> I am a hundred percent with you Alice like could not be more with you I'm just like oh I'm ready to throw you a parade that was wonderful um I think I think for me it's it's also important to, for us to bear in mind that there will be people, lots of people, and there will be people probably listening to this who, like you said, are still attending diet clubs, whether that is online or not, um, and are still dedicating this time to changing their body. And as much as I love to rail against the diet culture machine, I think it's important to extend a bit of compassion to those people who are still in it as well because it can feel like they are being shamed like we are pointing fingers and I think that is absolutely not what we want to do at all it's never about shaming the individual it's about questioning the bigger system and I think during this time where everything feels so out of our control and like no one knows what is going on 
we are all searching for comfort wherever we can get it. And for some people, that is in changing their body. You know, diet culture does an absolutely wonderful job of teaching people that if you change your body, everything will be fine and you will have everything under control. You will have the life you have always wanted. So, of course, in times of heightened anxiety and loss of control, some people are diving into it even more because it gives them something to hold on to every day. They think if they can just hit that right number each morning and just eat exactly that amount and just do exactly that amount of exercise. Then they're doing the right things. Maybe. Yeah. And I now now I feel like I okay, disclaimer, I'm really sorry, but what I said, I didn't mean all right. I just personally I have so I have so much like pent up anger, but that's exactly how I feel too. Um and I know that like a soft approach is really important. I've got a lot of followers, as I said, who still like um who still attend diet clubs and they message me and they they sort of ask like like what like what can I do like is this right can I follow some of it and it, which bits of it are okay and blah 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 and it's like they are quite kind of like they're very clever things and they really do draw you in and they give you like a sense of community and they give you like a sense of like uh success and like achievement and encouragement and it's like you know those really some of those things are really positive um, and yeah, I didn't mean to go in so hard. And if you are like, if you are someone who attends a diet club. <laughs> uh, Alice, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't apologize at all because I think as, as Megan said, like, I think the big thing, the one thing I've learned doing this podcast is you're not, first of all, you're not going to please everyone. And the second thing is, is that everyone is always at a different stage of their mental health journey. And this is the thing, the thing about mental health in a, in a bigger sense and body positivity, all that sort of stuff is that, you know, people are on different stages of their journey and like we, you know, we can respect that. And I think sometimes that, I think sometimes you have to hear like something, some like an opinion that can be so extreme to like, and 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 like sometimes you think I actually got to weigh that up and go right, is that for me? Or is that for not for me? So like you know that like, I mean, don't apologize. No, don't apologize. We need we need both. We need we need the pure anger which everyone is entitled to, especially if you've been fucked over by diet culture. And we need the soft. We need both. So never ever apologize for being passionate. What I would say is if 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 you are someone who attends a diet club, just because this is where, exactly where I was um, like a couple of years ago. Um, and I like basically my story is that I went around to my friend's house and they'd made me like um, a vegetarian lasagna. And I was like, um, do you know how much cheese is in this? Like, can do, did you weigh it? Like, do you have any idea? And they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what? Like, I've made you a lasagna. Just eat it and be nice. And then I was like, and then I explained to them like what I've been doing and how it worked. And they were like, that is fucking mental. And then that had been something that I'd never thought about. I then went home. Um, I then read your book, which is uh, Megan's book, sorry, um, which is like, uh, it's a very b- good mixture of like hard facts um, and like, you know, real wake up calls, but like a very like soft, like caring, lovely, like, as you are, like just a really kind of well-written, um, well-articulated, comforting uh, approach that gives you a lot of options. So I would say that if you heard what I said just then and it kind of shook you a little bit. Maybe go read Megan's book because it's really, really fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I did not even have to pay her to say that. No. Officially. (laughs) Yeah, no, like just some free advertising there. But I think that that's the thing, isn't it? Because I I know, but I know I think that you are you are right. Well, not not to keep going on the we love Megan pro, but which we obviously we do. It's that measured, really yeah. sort of thought through in that, which is you know really not, which is exactly why I wanted you on this podcast. But I think just sorry, to, I'm a bit if less I'm measured. Move, 
<laughs> no, 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 it's fine. The, um, what I was going to just say, in, if I just really briefly go back to the, about the, the TV program that was on. The calorie, that, the, the restaurant that burns off calories that was called, I don't know if you know Hope Virgo, who's a really good friend of our podcast and she's been on a few times and she talked a lot about, she had um, anorexia from a very young age and she's talked about how you could have a positive way with with exercise as well and this is this is another point I think there's like you know like they're saying just to quote hope here is what um, it says here exercise done in the right way can can be really healthy and helpful for those in recovery but you know this show perpetuates a dangerous message about punishing our bodies and I think like it just absolutely nails on the head about the the importance of like calorie counting and things like this if anyone looks on my instagram i don't post a lot on there but like sometimes i post a bit of stuff because we i go to this absolutely crazy step aerobics class and that's like the only exercise i do you know I, you, so you said it there Alice, there's, there's a bit of a community there and we have like we have a whatsapp group and doing that thing that I enjoyed so doing that in the right way it can be healthy yeah well, it's all about like jo- joyful movement is like the like as long as it's joyful movement and you're doing it because you fucking love it um, or you like it anyway, <laughs> um, like that's that's absolutely fine. But if you start if you're doing stuff because you feel that you have to to burn calories off or whatever, um, that's when there's like something maybe not quite so right and you need to you, you, you we don't need to do anything. But that's when that's when there's like problems can arise basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think um, we're we're seeing a lot of encouragement to start exercise routines and follow online programs and things we are not seeing much recognition that exercise has a very different mental effect on all of us especially those of us who have had eating disorder histories or disordered relationships with movement in general I previously was very much addicted to exercise when I was struggling with anorexia as a teenager and for the longest time I could not do any any movement any movement at all whether that was a full workout or literally going for a walk without equating that to the number of calories that I was burning. And that has been so burned into my brain through years and years and years of conditioning through diet culture that it took years and years to undo it. And it took these proper phases of complete stillness where I had to kind of say to myself, you know what, it is healthier for me to not move my body for a while to protect my mental health than it would be to get the physical health benefits of doing movement. And I think what we're seeing in general at the moment in the conversation around food and around bodies is a disregard for the fact that mental health is health as well. And how we see ourselves, how we see food, how we see movement, that is just as important as whether we are getting our heart rate up every day. And we need more awareness of how these conversations are impacting us mentally. And for some of us, it's just not an option. It is just not an option to, you know, tune into joe wicks in the morning because it's gonna fuck us up for the rest of the day and that's okay too yeah yeah i think like i mean like for me personally i like i've never been big on exercise really um i've had a couple of like because what i tend to be in everything is quite like all or nothing um and i have like so if i do any kind of like when i when i was doing them if i did any kind of diet or eating regime i was like my my willpower willpower in quote marks hate that word um was like on point and I was I put my everything into it and um, same thing with exercise so I got myself stupidly um a Fitbit and um yeah and number one was making sure that I hit my target of 
20,000 steps a day, which is like ridiculous by just walking around. Um, but also I was, cause I was at work um, and I was like sedentary. I had this thing on it that would like um, buzz every time I hadn't, I hadn't uh, done two, I, I hadn't moved for a certain amount of time. And then I had to get up and do 250 steps and then I could sit back down again. Um, and I used to like, every time that happened, I would like, like freak out, run down to the toilet, sit like, like run on the spot in the work toilet for like however long it took and then go back up to my seat. And if I didn't do that, I got really, really stressed. I also, I had, um, I did swimming for a little bit as well. And I was like, if I do not do 40 lengths, I cannot get out of this pool. Um, and like things like that. So I know that for me, um, like I can't do that and I can't and so to start something that anything numbers based anything like that anything where it's like um you know you do a do things for a certain amount of time however like I found going for a walk like absolutely just perfect like obviously you know that's not that's not like strenuous exercise not for me anyway it might be for somebody else but for me that's something that I'm able to do that I really enjoy I don't count like I don't look at my steps or anything I just I don't have a Fitbit anymore obviously um but I just walk feel the sun on my face listen to a podcast and that is perfect for me um but so that I think there's probably something out there for everybody like if you want to do some exercise but I think yeah you're right there's a lot of pressure to do like uh, everything not only because like we're, we're all like worried that we're going to come out of this like 150 stone heavier or, or whatever but just because everybody else seems to be doing it and everyone's posting about it you know nobody's just like doing their yoga like everyone's doing their yoga zoom call and like like chatting about it on every social media they can possibly talk about it on so it's kind of inescapable at the moment I think I think it's it, it it's a it's a really good point about the social media, and I think that's probably the the last bit of the conversation that we'll have today, and is just about social media. And obviously, Megan and Alice, you both um, dedicate your social medias to 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 sort of this to have this body positive sort of vibes to it, and obviously that is resonating. Like, but Megan, it, you know, on your side, it's a huge, you know, for me and Alice, we're probably like in, in our social media journeys and things like this, where we're probably a little bit further behind. But Megan, you've been so lucky that you've been able to resonate with such a huge scale audience with, you know, with your, with your, just your positive outlook, really. And, you know, and. But I just can't imagine that pressure, though. That's my, like, I feel like you <laughs> must feel under so much fucking pressure. I mean, that wasn't going to be moment. my first question but you know <laughs> it, it can be a lot um I've I have adapted to it over the years I have had, had such a changing relationship with social media you know there have been times where I would be thinking all day every day what am I going to post how many likes is it going to get how can I get the best engagement and I would freak out if something bombed and then I realized that is not sustainable or healthy. I cannot spend literally hours just thinking, what do I post? And, and going over and over every single word to, to, to get approval from strangers on the internet. And I think especially coming from a very numbers-centered place where I was with food and my body before and translating that onto the numbers side of social media and how many likes you get, that is not too far away from, have I lost enough weight this week? Have I got enough likes? Oh my god, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I feel like I'm there. I'm at that 
point at the moment a little bit. So that resonates with me. Yeah, and that's a, that's a very understandable thing. Anyone who is on social media who says that the numbers don't get to them sometimes is lying. It is such a natural thing to fall into. We all do it. We all compare to other people's accounts. That doesn't stop no matter what size you get to. But the things that the thing that I have found is that when I buy into that and when I calculate what I'm going to post, depending on what I think is going to get the most likes, that does not feel good. And when I post something that is genuinely how I'm feeling, that is authentic, that is is real, I feel good about it no matter what likes it gets because I am yeah, being myself. Yeah. And it's taken a long time on social media and in my life in general to recognize that it is genuinely more important to be authentic than to be liked. And being liked actually will not give you the same validation as knowing that you are being yourself. That sounds very simple and it sounds very cliche, but it's true. No, I get it. And I, and I, and I, we've talked about social media a lot on this show and we've had a lot of people and, and I don't know what you do on your personal sort of Instagram and the way that they, I'm just saying Instagram here back. Cause I, I, they, there are obviously lots of other ones, but Instagram seems to be like this really in a positive way. I feel like Instagram seems to be this really nice place that people feel they can, they can post about mental health in a really positive way I found, but what, we had someone here in series one who basically said, and it stuck with me all this time, is that the way that you present your own Instagram feeds, Twitter feeds, Facebook feeds, things like that, that if you're not presenting them in a positive way, then actually, you know, that there's, 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 you're only setting yourself up for sort of failure on social media. So I don't know if actually you would agree with that. Like if actually you found the way that you set up your personal Instagram, the people that you see on there come from a very positive background as well, so that actually your relationship can be as possible, positive as possible on on social media, if that makes sense. I just think it's all about authenticity. Like I try so hard, like, like, because my, my personal, my Instagram is all about my like journey from a diet blogger to now, like, now I'm on my body confidence journey, but it is absolutely a journey. Like I'm no way there. And I, I post like really, well, I try anyway to post really authentically about it. And um, I feel like I like sometimes my like grid posts might be a bit more like um, curated slightly um, just because I try and like, you know, lift people up with those. But I'm very honest as well, like in the captions and stuff. Um, and if I've taken a picture and I'm like, actually, I'm posting this picture, but I'm, I, I'm not happy with it. But I'm posting it anyway, just because I want to challenge myself. I'll say I'll say things like that. And then I often talk like on my stories and um, I'll talk about like how I'm actually feeling like in that moment and, you know, what my day's been like. And I'll I'll be very honest and I'd rather have like my following isn't isn't like anything special but um I'd rather that it grew incredibly slowly because people were like oh like she's not positive all the time um than like than like uh it all automatically like just skyrocket because I'm like yeah everything's great and like just listen to what I'm saying because I'm correct and and I can help you and because I can't always I'm on my own journey um that's 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 what it's like for me anyway that's um that's a really really good point and I think um the difference these days in social media is that a lot of people have had enough with this kind of facade of perfection and the super 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 curated but personality-less content and people are being drawn more towards 
actual human beings and it might not look as glossy and it might not get as many eyes on it but it hits a lot deeper and something that something that I have always always tried to carry in everything I do in my content in when I do shows all of it is that no one is going to remember every single thing you say but they are always going to remember how you made them feel always and so yeah everything I do just comes from a place of how is this going to make other people feel about themselves? Are they going to feel a bit more kind towards themselves? Great. And that doesn't mean that I have to be yeah. a positive beacon all the time. Positive, no. Sometimes it's, yeah, I'm really exactly. fucking struggling. And that equally makes people feel less alone. And that is good enough. And I, I think if we all used social media more from that place, not of how many likes is this going to get, but is this going to make someone else feel a bit better in some way? My god it would be such a nicer place yep and I, I think that kind of brings it back to like what we said at the beginning a little bit about how um like this whole situation is making people um be more open about their mental health and realize that it's okay not to be okay and all that stuff because that's it's genuinely true and um, and I think that uh, I personally have seen a lot more like what I feel to be authentic posting um on on instagram and social media and stuff so maybe this is going to have a really positive impact L listen to me i'm like constantly i'm like where is the positive impact like, we need to find it i'm like desperate to cling on to it oh my cat just came in hello all the way through this in all the way through this interview this is the wonders like because normally so we've got a studio in london so like we'd ship you down to london so it'd sound like great so but no but we can't do that but i've got like i've got like cats and dogs just walking <laughs> past and so like, you're not seeing like it's 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 I, this is the other thing as well because like no. from a working perspective as well go we, we could sit and talk forever but i will i will i will pile it up now because I, I, I will round it up now <laughs> but you know like it, you know this whole thing has just changed us so oh i feel like I, I feel like so changed it's been nice to come home and actually spend this is probably the most time i've spent at home in years like you know i usually do two weeks home for Christmas and that's it. And I suppose it's like clinging on to that positive thing, isn't it, that you've got? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, like for me, like I, you know, normally I work, well, I'm still working it, but I have like a nine to five job. I spend a lot of time in an office, like, um, and I've absolutely loved like spending time with Ruth, my partner, who I like loved pieces. She's been like my rock through this entire thing. Um, and I've just loved spending time with her in our home, which I love. And like that has been a really positive thing for me as well. And I've realized that like actually like being at home is something that I enjoy. I'm sure I'm sure that's not the case for everybody. Like and it, my heart goes out to people who are struggling. And um, but personally, like it's made me have like a new um, like a newfound appreciation for what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're are we doing a thing now where we're like picking like are we rounding up on the positive? Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's yeah, we. Do that. I think we should. Yeah, <laughs> we've been talking for nearly an hour. Now, so yeah, I, I, our, episode, our episodes are usually about forty-five minutes. So I'm sure they won't mind just chatting. You know, I've, it's not like we've got anything else to do, is it? <laughs> no, true. I mean, if we're rounding up on the positives, I will say that I have absolutely fucking mastered the best sandwich recipe in the world. That's been that's been a real a real treat. If anyone's ever in the market for a this doesn't sound like it's a, it would work it does falafel sandwich oh i'm there for it come I on got it yes. nailed like every single layer it's really thick and chunky it's like a doorstep anyway come come that to me if that's delicious. what you're after that's a definite positive <laughs> i'm gonna make a confession i don't think i've had falafel what does that just make me really northern yeah i've not had falafel 
Yeah, Michael, I was from the same in, place. But... I know we are, but, but you lived in Surrey. You've lived down I, I south. That I is did, absolutely not an excuse. And I can't believe that when you've been to Brighton to visit me, I haven't fed you falafel, like, like force fed you at Downy Throat. That's ridiculous. I think I just got no fish and chips. Like... <laughs> now you can't, you can't have it for the first time unless it's mine because... I need to set the bar. Yeah, can you, if you send me the recipe and then, do you, do you make it? Do you make it or do you just buy falafel? I make my own falafel. Do you make your own falafel? Uh, uh, I would like to pass on that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not on that level. I'm not out here making my own falafel, but that is very admirable. So maybe we can combine. It's not as hard that. as it seems. Okay, okay. okay. Yes. That, this is when like, yeah. the podcast becomes the most middle class it's ever been. Like, this is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, really, I'm middle class. Like, <laughs> oh, God, that is not how we're supposed to end it. <laughs> well, it's nice to end it in la- Well, it's nice to sort of bring it up in laughter, isn't it? And, you know, like, I, I think, yeah. like, just to sort of round it up, like, I don't, I've, I have no way of rounding this up. I haven't, I'm so at the podcast game. We were meant to be on season break. And we, our plan was to come back at, for the mental health awareness week, but we've come a bit forward. So I've like, I feel like I've been on holiday from podcasting, and this is actually my first podcast I've done since January. <laughs> so I'm a bit like, a bit, a rusty. bit rusty. But I mean, like, the thing is, like, the, the, I think I don't know if if, if either of you just want to like sum anything up, like say about you know, like we've obviously been chatting for a long time, and like, I if there's any advice that. Alice and Megan, you want to give about, I've got to hate the word advice, but anything you can say (laughs) (laughs) to keep people positive. We keep chat, we keep throwing this around, but it like, it really, there's a reason for that. I just think like, be kind to yourself, like realize that this is a really, really like new, like scary situation that we're in for a lot of people or for everybody. Um, And just realize that like, like if you need to like order that pizza, order that fucking pizza. <laughs> if you need to like, you know, get into cross stitch, get into cross stitch. That's what I've done. Um, if you need to like spend the day like in bed, uh, like just watching telly, need need a duvet day, whatever. Just just do what you need to do to cope in this situation because no, there's no handbook. So you know, just do what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like you you've nailed that. I won't reiterate what you just said. Um, but I'll just say give your body a fucking break it is it is carrying you through this wilderness the best that it can if it needs to do that by softening up a bit around the edges changing in some way just let it be let it exist give it some gratitude Uh, it's doing its best to protect you and carry you so yeah show that kindness yeah you're all bloody beautiful (laughs) 